Hi guys, so excited to have our first guest, Bria Jones. Bria is an entrepreneur, YouTuber, content creator, fashionista, philanthropist, and a wifey. She is also your TikTok big sister, where she gives you advice and insight on mental health, navigating a relationship, and surviving a white world. How are you doing today, Bria? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here. Um, I really wanted to dive deep with you about tokenization and and I love how your TikTok is completely centered around you know black women loving themselves and expressing themselves whether it's their natural hair um, being able to you know make business decisions and business plans as an influencer marketing those kinds of things mm -hmm. um, one thing that in particular st that stood out to me was you know your experience being in an all-white sorority mm -hmm. kappa yes. kappa gamma <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about what that was like yeah so i actually started out rushing for a sorority at the university of missouri mm -hmm. and i had kind of a crazy freshman year so i ended up transferring to arkansas and um, basically i was able to affiliate because i rushed kappa at mizzou now being totally transparent, like, I didn't know what to expect with the rush process. Yeah. Um, because of my high school experience and the people I was surrounded with there, I think that's what drew me to the quote-unquote, like, white sororities because yeah. I, I had more connections there. I really didn't know much about Divine Nine and didn't, like, do a ton of research. Mm -hmm. I didn't really care in high school, yeah. to be honest, yeah. like, being straight up. Um, so I was like, you know, I'll just see where this goes. But I for sure wasn't sold on being in a sorority. Mm -hmm. So when I went through Rush, I actually had a really positive experience at Missouri. And I say at Missouri because had I had to rush at Arkansas, I know it would have been different. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really have a ton of connections in Missouri specifically. But however, I, like got back all my top houses every mm -hmm. day and I you know overall had a good experience so when it came down to like the last bid day um I was like if I don't get Kappa I'm just not going to do this because I didn't vibe with like every house and yeah. it had to be like hell yes or no for me so that's how I felt about Kappa and I got it so I I loved the girls there um they were probably more diverse than I would say Arkansas. Yeah. Because the Midwest is kind of different in terms mm -hmm. of like, you know, demographics a little mm -hmm. bit, but there's still a lot of things mm -hmm. to be fixed there. So honestly, I really enjoyed like the personalities they had. I was very chill. I didn't take my sorority like that serious. And I yeah. feel like, you know, they, they weren't too serious about it there either. Um, but when I transferred, I had a full-blown, like, awakening yes. with the houses there because the um, Kappa Kappa Gamma at Arkansas was totally different. Like, very, very Southern, obviously. Very, very mm -hmm. white. Mm -hmm. um, almost to the point that I was like, is this for real? So it, it was a big transition, but I wanted to stick it out because networking, one, connections, um, resources, all of those things were important to me. And I didn't know if I would be missing out on certain things without it. Yeah. If that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I really like that you call it like the awakening. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, like this process that you kind of like go through and like, you know, previous conversations that I've had with you. Um, we've also talked about, you know, just even like the microaggressions mm -hmm. and like the comments that, you know, we used to hear when we were younger and like how it just will not fly now at this age. <laughs> right. Not anymore. It's it's just like a completely um, just like unique and like different experience. Mm -hmm. um, when did you like kind of like realize that, you know what, um, I need to create a space that is safe for myself, um, one that does not include me basically kind of like succumbing to like the outside pressure mm -hmm. of necessarily like being in in white spaces um honestly it was like in the last couple of years mm -hmm. so after the pandemic specifically like George Floyd yeah I think we all realized a lot about our circles I certainly did a lot about our friends quote-unquote friends <laughs> um yeah it was a tough realization and so that was when I started to come into to really considering like what am I doing like what am I even why am I so caught up on like white validation in in these spaces even and and I get 
where my mind was during those times. Like I'm very empathetic to mm-hmm. the person that I was being in environments where I was outnumbered because it's so much easier to try to be accepted than to go against the grain. Like we're humans, we're programmed to try to fit in. And so there are, there's only so much you can do though to fit in appearance wise, yeah. you know? And so you can't make yourself any wider Um, you know, except through what society perceives to be white things and Mm -hmm. hobbies and stuff like that. But even then, that's not fair because some of those things I actually enjoy doing. And it's unfair for me to have to, like, say it diminishes my blackness in order to participate in certain things. Um, But really, I I had to take a minute to kind of think about, like, the people that I had in my life, people that I've had in my life. And when did this start? When did I feel like I had to um, start to change who I was or fit into these white spaces? And, you know, it goes way, way back to elementary school. Yeah. It, It goes way back. So it was really, I mean, you get stuck in this state. And you don't even know that you're doing it after a certain point until I really had that time in the pandemic to sit with myself and be like, are you doing this for you or to be accepted by people Mm. who otherwise might not accept you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally, that 100% makes sense. Like when I personally think about like my own unique, unique experiences, Um, you know, I had a mom that was just like, I'm going to put you in an all white school Mm -hmm. because you're going to have the education that white kids have. Mm -hmm. And you're going to learn how to have the same conversations that white kids have. But also in doing so to me, there was oftentimes like this disconnect from like people who look like me, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, did you ever like experience that? Like, yeah. Not 100%. being accepted by like either side, <laughs> literally yes. either side. Yeah. Too white for the black kids and too, too black for the white kids. Like yeah. that whole um, concept is totally real and it, it makes it super conflicting in, tw- in terms of your own identity. And, you know, what I guess I was just so confused on like where I would even fit in because when I would be in black spaces, I felt like it was honestly harder And the only reason I think it was harder is because I think that my black peers were more comfortable on calling me out on not being black enough. And my white peers weren't comfortable calling me out on being too white for a black girl, if that makes sense. So like one group was like, I'm going to call you out. The other group wasn't. So I found myself in more white groups because I could I had more peace that way. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't constantly defending myself and being like, I don't care that this isn't black enough for you. Like. I am who I am, you know, and and that's been since I was like younger. I remember Mm -hmm. being like five years old, five and people being like, why does she talk like that? Like my own family members and kind of everybody laughing it off. But like it sticks with you as a kid and you're kind of like you don't realize it, but you're taking that with you subconsciously. Like, wait, why do people say that about me? Like what? what it, what am I doing wrong? I'm just talking. Yeah. <laughs> so it was confusing. And then you kind of start to learn like, okay, you know, code switching and speaking a certain way around your family members so that you could have peace of mind versus the way you speak around your peers at school. Like we're chameleons essentially to try to like fit into our environment, but it's not because I need anyone's validations because I'm just like, can I just exist and you just leave me alone? Like that's yeah. why I, I did it. Yeah. That mm-hmm. totally makes sense. It, that it can be so damn taxing on your mental health. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, you know, I have um, friends and peers that I have conversations with this about constantly like yeah. not being good enough for either space and just even being on like social media, um, a lot of sometimes most of my like most hateful comments are coming from people that look like me. Yes. It's like, damn. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> that's that's how I feel, too. Like, I think they're a lot more confident in, in doing it. And, I, and, you know, I don't know the reason for that, but I get it. Like getting ridiculed for like me dating a white man. It usually mm-hmm. comes from black people. It mm-hmm. doesn't come from white people being like, you can't date a white man like Okay, if someone said that in my comments, then the black people would be mad too. Yeah. But, you know, to to black people, they see it as like this kind of betrayal sometimes. Like, why are you going that way? And completely understand where their feelings are coming from, but it doesn't make it right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make it fair. And 
at the end of the day, it's kind of like this reverse card. Like you're you're being so against the white man in itself that like you're completely shutting out just like good people and black people being happy with whoever that is, you know? Yeah. So it's unfair in my opinion. No, I totally 100% understand that. It, it's it's very mentally taxing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm in an interrac- interracial relationship too. So yeah. it's very difficult. Like, right. A hundred percent. Like, it's, it, I think when it comes down to like always having to already defend your blackness and then having to do it again, right. all over again in a relationship, mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit you know, more difficult. Do you feel like with age, um, it's been easier trying to navigate um, black friendships or do you think it's a little bit, it's still like a, you know what I mean? Like a struggle or do you think you're, you're, you're able to kind of like somewhat figure it out? I, sh- I struggle here and there. Yeah. I think it, it depends. Yeah. You know, it depends. And I feel like um, the, a lot of the black re- relationships I have now and friendships I have now are, a lot of people that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting to me. They're like core friendships. And then, or they're people who identify, like have a lot of similarities, like you and I. Like mm-hmm. I've found a lot of these people through social media and just kind of speaking on this on similar topics. So in terms of like newer friendships, that is kind of one of the ways that I've made friends. But I think that... I'm kind of getting better at just like knowing who picks up on my energy and accepts that quicker as I get older rather than having to sift through like these friend dates and put myself in situations where I know we're not going to vibe and that's okay. But I think I've, I've just gotten a lot better at kind of navigating who like is judging me and not. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Um, one cool thing about like the reason why I wanted to like bring you on is because like you know it stands for first only indifferent in the simple fact that you were able to kind of utilize your platform to kind of like shine a light on multiple different issues mm-hmm. you know when it comes to like not being socially accepted and and like surviving like you know white spaces and things and like I guess like my question is do you think because sometimes this this goes back and forth in my head mm-hmm. um, when it comes down to the tokenization. Do you think that being tokenized, this is like a very risky question, has like some type of advantage? Hmm. I know that's so wild to say. No, it's it's fair though. Um, I do. I do think it does. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I've had to use it not only in like school, but... Also in work, like I, w- mm-hmm. I used to have a corporate job. So there is an advantage in a backhanded way. So for example, like maybe you being like the diversity card could get you a job op- opportunity, but it's still like a backhanded acceptance, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. For me, I'm just trying to get the job. But if they're trying to like diversify their demographics within a company, and they're like, oh, well, let's pick her because this. But I don't think that my qualifications are any less. I just think in some cases it helps. And, I mean, you see that conversation pop up with, like, scholarships for black students. Like, is that fair technically? Well, yes, it's fair because there's not a level playing field. Mm-hmm. But I think if that's how you look at tokenization in terms of, I don't know, leveling out the playing field, I feel like you can look at it in a couple different ways. Um but it depends on the other parties too, if that makes sense. It's it's a deep it's a deep question. It's a hard question. Yeah. Um, but it, it depends on the setting too and like the group of people. Within friendships, absolutely not. Definitely not. <laughs> so that's a quick no. Um, it, it just feels like there's this weird spotlight on you all the time mm-hmm. that you'd never asked for. So I, I think, like I said, it depends. I feel you. I t- 100% agree on that. When it comes to friendships, though, like, to be honest, it has been very, very difficult for me to navigate non-POC friendships mm-hmm. as I'm getting older, mm-hmm. like, especially as I'm getting older, especially with everything that's kind of going on in the world. Like, I don't want you to, I don't I don't really want you to be my shadow and you just mm-hmm. kind of, like, follow me around and until I point out what's cool and what's what's not cool Mm -hmm. um and 
you know, when it comes to, like, being tokenized, because I've definitely been tokenized. Like, my mom was just like, I don't give a F. Like, you're having this education. <laughs> then going to a PWI. Arkansas is a PWI, right? 100%. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, like... This is how ignorant I was. I wasn't choosing Arkansas because I, like, had anything I was drawn to about the school. My mental health freshman year was just so bad. I had to switch schools so that I was a little bit closer. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it was very important for me to not be in Texas. And I just was so set on that. I was like, I need different. Even if it's still the South, I need different. Mm -hmm. And Arkansas was close enough to home that I could get there when I needed to, but also far enough that I wouldn't put myself in this loop of being coddled at home, like, because I really needed to distance myself, um, if that makes any sense. And uh, what I ended up getting into was a lot more than I expected, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) but again, it was kind of like, okay, Bria, what did you do here? I don't regret it, though, because I think it's one of the reasons today why I can be so vocal, why I can speak to different experiences now. And I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. My mind was not like, let's go to this school because it's great. It was literally like, what, what does Bria need mentally? And the distance was priority with choosing that. So um, I really, to be honest, didn't care about school. So (laughs) Um, I was more into the social aspect, like many kids and, yeah, it, it kind of backfired in that sense when I was like, I, I really didn't know how Arkansas was. Because, like, for me, I grew up in Texas thinking that was the South, but I was in Dallas, okay? I wasn't in the corner Arkansas of Texas. Arkansas is on some <laughs> next level. Arkansas is different. It's big different. Um, I, I didn't know, like, <laughs> this is embarrassing to admit, but, like, the first time I went to Kappa and there were some girls that, like, greeted me and... I said I was from Texas or I was from Dallas and one girl that responded had like the thickest Southern accent that I'd ever heard to the point that I thought she was mocking me. It was her. <laughs> it was her accent. <laughs> Straight up. And I was like, wait, th- she was joking. So I thought she was like, oh, you're from Texas, y'all. Cause like, I just came from Missouri where nobody had an accent. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Arkansas, don't know much about it, but didn't think it was like that southern because I was like that people are like that in Texas where I'm from but yeah I realized Dallas is kind of like the Los Angeles of Texas so it's not it doesn't really count as the the south south in my opinion it's still the south it has its roots but it's big different there yeah it is definitely I went to Arkansas one time and I was a little uh, it was it was a little 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 rough, like a lot of com- Confederate flags oh, here and there. Yeah, about the Confederate flags, I literally forgot about that. It's but you know something, I went to a PWI on the East Coast. I went mm-hmm. to American, mm-hmm. and the I the weird thing about American because Arkansas probably is like pr- predominantly Republican, right? Oh yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. American is incredibly liberal, mm-hmm. but it's not as. Um, diverse as you think it would so Mm -hmm. the time that i went there was three percent student of color like of color like not three percent black not three percent hispanic of color um and i just it's so interesting like i feel like how sometimes you can be put in a place that's completely uncomfortable and it really does shape who you are as a person right you know um and the fact that like you've had like this these experiences with your mental health and, and being in, in the place that you need to be and you're able to kind of create a platform for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Um, for me, at least when I was at American, um, I battled mentally, like, heavily there. Yeah. Um, I was away from my family. Um, I'd never had any money. Um, the kids that were in my class, you know, it was it was a little different, but... Um, we, I had classes about roots of racism, um, classes about tokenization, classes about, like, s- just a bunch of random stuff. And in those classes, I kind of, like, really learned that, like, not everybody is really for you. Yeah, 100%. Whether, whether you know, whether they're, we're in a liberal state, a Republican area, mm-hmm. you it know. It doesn't matter. It really does not matter. Like, it's, it's just so, like, it's. I don't know people are just so interesting to me Mm -hmm. like what shapes us how we treat people you know and like I'm I'm at this point now like I don't want to have to explain to you why you make me feel uncomfortable yes 
Yes, that part. <laughs> it's 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 the it's the explaining part. Yeah, it's exhausting. Like I I've gotten to the point I think like I really exhausted myself in 2020 trying to do that. And I mm-hmm. I think I did a great job of it cuz I built a huge following on this Definitely. little microaggression series um where I took real events in my life and like in a satirical way just like acted them out. And people literally are in the comments like, she's lying. That's fake. And it's also like a bunch of people who look like me in the comments that are like, thank you for highlighting this. Like my entire life has been this. And I'm like, yeah, the fact that you would even think it's fake says a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I have a lot other things I could be doing than telling you, rehashing this. Because one, it's not fun for me to think about these events, but also... It was really healing for me to like finally verbal. I don't think I ever verbalized that until I made TikToks about it. Like that was my first time yeah. saying those things out loud because I really convinced myself that the way that I was treated was just how the world was. It wasn't going to change and it would be a lot easier to just think that you're being more sensitive than them being actual assholes. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's a lot easier to convince yourself to just get thicker skin. And that's part of it because you can't change everybody. But also, two things could be true. They can be assholes and you can also be sensitive or not sensitive. You're actually just normal, you know? So I was kind of like gaslighting myself for a really long time. And, um, you know, it's crazy that it took me being in my mid-20s, well out of college, to finally be like, it's okay, Bria, like, you weren't treated right, and that's okay. But that in doing so, like, it healed me, and it healed other people, other strangers, I don't even know, because I don't know what that would have done for me to be 14 years old and see a TikTok of someone older than me sharing those experiences and being validated in that way. No, that's that's a word. Mm -hmm. Like, for real, like... um I I remember the first time that I did see because I I'm not like as tech savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the first time I saw your TikTok. I didn't know I didn't know that it was you. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> until like until like I got on TikTok and like I met you and stuff. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw it. You were you were doing like a breakdown of microaggressions, mm-hmm. and sometimes like it's very very difficult to like see microaggressions because sometimes microaggressions can be so passive. Yes. Like, so incredibly They're sneaky. Packed. It's sneaky. Like, They're very sneaky. Like, for instance, you have braids in your hair. Like, this has happened to me when I've had braids. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, so a white person will come up to me, and they'll touch it, and they'll be like, oh, <laughs> I l- this is nice, but I like when it's straight. Yeah. Microaggression. Yeah. Um, can you tell us, like, some of the microaggressions you've heard or some of the microaggressions, like, you, you've experienced so oh, yeah. people can be on the lookout for those that are listening? Yeah, I think um, a lot, so like, for example, a lot with the appearance, like mm-hmm. you're pretty for a black girl is like standard right there. Um, or you're the whitest black girl I've ever met. Like Inside out Oreo. Yeah, I like what are you even saying? Like yeah. think about what you're saying. Just hear yourself for a second. What Break, break that thought down. The fact that you're calling me the whitest black girl, break that thought down and really think about what you're what you're communicating to me. Uh, Is it because of the way that I talk? Is it because I articulate my words? Like what what does that mean, though? Does just because I do those things, that is a white trait. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Like, let's break it down even a little more because I sound educated. So what are you saying about black people? There you go. So now you just. You just kind of made yourself look dumb. Dumb, <laughs> dumb. So I think it's really like thinking about these things on a deeper level. Like what you say comes out as lighthearted and, you know, just just joking around. It's just a joke. But at the root of it, it's like incredibly racist and it's not okay. And it, it really has an effect on people. And I know for a fact I carry that with me. Well, still carry that stuff with me and I have to be aware of how it's affected me today and I'm almost 30 years old so like you know it's not just a joke and especially when you're hearing it constantly constantly like it does affect you Mm -hmm. and when you're younger I don't think you realize how it affects you Mm -hmm. but on a subconscious level you kind of do 
And that's why I think it's easy to kind of learn how to code switch and do all these things because you're realizing something about the situation makes me uncomfortable. I can't put my finger on it, but maybe if and when I act this way, they don't call me out as much. And that's how you pick up those things. So another microaggression, let's see, um, uh, like she speaks so well, like a lot of how I talked, she's very articulate for a black girl. That stuff was weird to me. Um, and it's just unfair. Like I said, you can't make <laughs> educated black people feel like yeah. they're less black because they talk a certain way. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of my microaggressions had to do with my appearance. And mm-hmm. I always got like, you're pretty because you're black. And I was like, what? I didn't know how to take that one sometimes. Cause I was so I like, wouldn't be pretty any other way. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's that's messed up. Yeah, I was like, wait, what does that even mean? Like, a lot of them were so confusing for me when I was a teen. I remember being like, <laughs> you just, like, laugh. laugh. Yeah, you laugh to you keep from crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. You have to, because it's like, and then you think about it, you're like, what does that even mean? Like, And it's crazy that I can think about specific people who said specific things 20 years later to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can think about it right now, and it's like, obviously it stuck with me so if you think it's just lighthearted and it doesn't really matter then I mean I'm here to tell you it had an effect on me and I can still remember the people who said specific things but also I can I can remember having um comments from you know like we said going back to black people having a perception of what blackness is I also can go back to remembering specific like family members who made me feel very like, and it, I think it hurts coming more from them. I was literally just thinking that. Yeah. Like, as you were, like, talking about, like, some of the microaggressions that you've heard mm-hmm. about the way that you speak, mm-hmm. it resonates with me so deeply when I think about, like, black people saying to me. Because for whatever reason, it hurts. Because it, it you hurts feel like they should more. understand. Yeah. Like, you should know what it's like to be outcast. Yes. And yet here you are doing it to your own kind. Like what does that even say? Like about you. Right. And then there's so many different levels to being black. I mm-hmm. we need to I I feel like, you know, a lot of people have like a perception, like one way of thinking of what it means to be black. Yes. You know, black people, we are so multifaceted. There's so many different things that we can do. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I personally choose to like surround myself around black people who have unique crazy stories or like have crazy jobs or crazy career or more so creatives because it kind of like breaks down in my mind that stigma because I don't know like there's so many definitions there's so many ways to being a black person and Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like I don't even want to say it's the older generation I feel like a lot of times like even just like in today's world being around people like oh you you talk very white Mm -hmm. or you're less black because you're with a white person Mm -hmm. or you know for instance you think you're better than that's the one thing that I hate hearing it's that you think you're better than you think you're better than it's just like okay if my mom put me in the school if my family put me in the school if I was told to go to college if I was told to have this type of career if I would if if I'm like cultivating for my, something for myself and pushing myself shouldn't mm-hmm. you be proud of me yes. because i'm i'm breaking societal standards of what mm-hmm. a black person is supposed to be like yeah and that's how i look at it too it's like some of the energy that i get from especially online with like black followers and that's why i keep being so unapologetic about showing up and have to. being a black woman in like luxury like i love you that you to. do that too because you projecting like your hatred to see another black person succeed is an internalized issue that one you've been brainwashed by society to think mm-hmm. we don't deserve this two you should be proud that's a word three you should be working on it too because you c- if we can get there so can you that's a word but you're spending too much time hating and thinking oh she thinks she's better than that's not even it no i'm i'm <laughs> a lot of people don't understand like even i can tell with your content 100% mm-hmm. and like even like a lot of other black creatives or p like poc creators that are doing well i can tell you know they show their way of life not to brag but to show that i want you yes to also do it yes that's why i literally disclose like my income because i'm like 
if you don't hear it, you don't know that it's possible because they don't want everybody to know that black people are breaking through like this. Yes. And social media is a huge way to break so many stigmas with that. And so, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to use my platform to plant these seeds in the minds of little girls who look like me. Absolutely. And I'm going to do it unapologetically. I don't care who's uncomfortable by that. So that's, that's just how it is. But that also means there are people who look like me who are uncomfortable by that. And to them, I say, think about why you're uncomfortable by that. No, right? for real. Maybe you need to go seek some therapy Exactly. or maybe do some self-discovery. Yes. You know, um, a lot of times on social media, I love like talking, I love talking about colorism i love Mm -hmm. talking about light skin privilege because it really really Mm -hmm. really is like a very um interesting thing to talk like it's it's just it's so it's it's a conversation that's so important to have Mm -hmm. and when i thought about tokenization you know i couldn't almost just think like you know light-skinned women are the only one that's tokenized because i have had conversations with browner skin darker skin women that are tokenized af heavily heavily i feel like it's worse 100 percent for the darker that you get like i've seen oh a thousand percent i've seen it in front of me the colorism between light skin versus dark skin women and then those women that are tokenized i don't know how they do it i don't i don't know either there i I don't want to say her name but there's there's one girl that i follow and sometimes like i wonder um how like because she's still in those spaces so i wonder like how she's is it like a blogger She's a blogger. She's darker skinned, but I wonder how like she's kind of like surviving in those spaces. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 very it's, I don't know. It's just it's like something that like I would love. I would wish we could do like an entire table with like right. all shades right of black women. Because I bet it would be wild. I, you know, I think so, too. And it's just, like, I do want to talk about, you know, like, light skin privilege and, and colorism and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going off topic. But no, you, I, but it's, you, it's but you feel, though. Yeah. Okay, so you talked about one thing about, you know, asking for your worth. Mm-hmm. I saw you post something like that. And I really like that because mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, – black create and I'm happy that black women are going into this this world this realm because we are trailblazers you know we set trends and they just take off Mm -hmm. so I'm really happy that we're getting paid for that but um a lot of people are afraid to ask for what they want Mm -hmm. so is there any advice you could give to anyone about asking for your worth because that's something Mm -hmm. you do highlight on a lot Yeah. Um, So I used to manage myself for a little bit. I've gone on and off managing myself in between managers within the industry. And so I I was kind of forced to learn how to ask for what I needed. But the thing that got me to kind of go ahead and speak up in terms of like the money that I knew I deserved was I was tired. (laughs) Like, you know, I was creating quality content and I was being underpaid. And and the thing is, like, they're corporations. They're going to get the best deal that they can out of you. So if you don't speak up, then you're just going to – you're going to get the short end of the stick. Yeah. So, um, one, doing research on what are my other counterparts making. And that's just Mm. straight up asking. Yeah. Because you will be very surprised when you (laughs) realize, oh, that girl's making three times as much as me. And I'm producing the exact same content Mm -hmm. or similar content. Yes. And um, a- another thing that helped was being connected to more creators of color. And uh, there are groups where we, I need to add you to the Facebook group, by the way. Uh, 100%. Yeah, I just thought of that. They have like specific threads on like, this brand paid me this, da da da, da like incredibly transparent. And even like we do a thread on how much we all made for the year in accordance to our following, like that holds us accountable in the industry to know what to ask for. So we're doing that amongst ourselves in terms of black women. But then we also have like white women who will tell us like, uh, I don't know if you know Peyton Sartain, but like straight up, I would ask her, like ask Kenzie, like, you know, what's, what's the, what's the tea here? So you have to do your own research. Um, On top of that, like before I really had friends in the industry, I had to kind of just like guess on what I thought I was worth. And I actually did this one time. Like I always say ask higher than lower because you can't go up. You can always go down and you most likely will through a negotiation go down. Yeah. So um, 
I had been offered this opportunity with a big brand. I'm not going to name them, but they have a lot of money. Let's just say that. And I knew that. You, Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know when they do. Like, it's oh, you can pay Google. me. You can pay me. I'm not doing this for free. It's on Google, too. And you can look at who they've been working with and be like, that person wouldn't work with you guys yeah. for cheap. Yeah. So you got to do some research. And so um, this brand had contacted me, gave me a rate, which was pretty higher than anything I'd ever made before. Um, however, I was like, I'm just still going to push the button here because it can't hurt. They, they're interested in me clearly and they want me on this campaign. So I said, okay, I'm going to say three times the rate that they just offered me. And I, so I was like, Hey, thanks for sending this offer in for the scope of work. My rate is actually X, Y, Z. And it was three times what they said. And I get a message back like 30 minutes later that's approved. We can go ahead and send you the contract. Yes. But could you imagine if I was just like, okay, to their yeah. first offer? Yeah. Like, that's never okay. And even now working with my manager, who's like literally a shark, even working with her now, like she would never just take the first thing to come. Like you always ask for more. Like you always ask yeah. for more. So once you have like a general idea of what the standard is, like, and then what, how much time you're putting in, like, once you add those things together, you kind of get your number and that's like a good starting point, but always go higher. And it's really just repetition in continually doing this. Now that number seems like, duh to me, but like two years ago, that was like yeah. asking for the world. But this is like, these are billion dollar companies, like, and I'm a tax write-off. So like, don't be scared to ask for them. My next question that I want to ask you, um, I feel like so many people, I'm happy that like now on social media, because you talk about mental health a lot, mm -hmm. um, and people are always talking about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and what advice would you give to someone? Because someone's probably listening to this and they're just like, I, I want to do TikTok, but I don't think I'm good enough, or mm -hmm. I don't think I'm skinny enough, or I don't think I have a unique story, or I don't think anyone will like well, I, what I have to say. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what advice would you give to that? And also, have you ever had like those experiences? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting. Like, I think the when I started out in this career, I was the most confident and um, I was the most crazy because I had to be. I quit my job. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. Literally pursue yeah. social media before like the TikTok boom, before yeah. like a lot of people were doing it. Like I saw the potential and I was like, I'm going to get in on that. So I was a little bit crazy in a sense of like having this unnatural level of confidence so like I have to state that because that was just facts but in the pandemic and in gaining a following <laughs> Wait, I love that this unnatural <laughs> level of confidence it you was have though. to though you it, have to be to. on the internet you do but it's it's fluctuated drastically yeah. so in the pandemic when I really started to grow I got really insecure because nobody is trained to be able to take a thousands hundreds of thousands of people's opinions about yes. them like that's not normal no human is ready for that yeah. I don't care what anyone says even you see celebrities fly off the handle when people are talking about them too so you know it's not normal even if you're used to being in the spotlight right yeah so it just came with the job and I feel like it's kind of um a rite of passage essentially when you have a career online and so like honestly I'm still kind of climbing back up to my confidence level I think I'm still like abnormally higher than most people but like you have to be you have, and to. You have to like train yourself to see yourself as like that bitch constantly because if you don't these people are gonna run you over yeah. if you want a career online so imposter syndrome is completely completely normal but you have to have tactics in place to like off put it and center yourself again so like I'm really big into just like meditating affirmations like mm. quite frankly like a cute way of brainwashing myself yeah <laughs> like gaslighting yourself in the in yes. like a in a positive in a healthy way, way. Yes. just like yes yes like thinking even with the success that I've had I've had trouble accepting it and like ex like saying my worth and my money and receiving that, like I've had trouble with that, especially when like you come from a family that doesn't have like money and then all of a sudden you have these things and there's this guilt that like, wait, no, I don't deserve to be here. So there's imposter syndrome there for me. And that's something that I yeah. still like experience off and on when like I hit a big milestone, like I'll be super excited. And then when things come back down and I'm like with my thoughts, I'm like, ugh, I, I don't yeah. know how to, 
really be happy for myself. Um, so for me, it's not so much like content wise, but if I ever do have, I, I went through a really bad depression last year and I would say that's probably the worst imposter syndrome that I did have. And, you know, to be honest, I just had to be really gentle with myself during that time. Yeah. I knew there was a part of my brain saying like, you knew this was going to happen. You knew that you were going to be successful and you deserve that. But there was also another part of my brain saying your content's not good enough. You're not skinny mm. enough. You're not white enough. Like there's so many things about you that just aren't good enough. So there was that part of me. And I think last year is when it was the loudest for me because I was just not mentally okay. So I really had to work. It was a lot of inner work during that yeah. time. And I wasn't posting as much. I, I didn't have the energy to, I was like in bed all day. Like, you know, as a creative, it's hard to be depressed because it's like the last thing you want to do is get on camera. A hundred percent. Yeah. It, it was really tough. But if I had like a little spark of creativity that day, okay, I'm recording. Like maybe it's my one video for the, the week or the month. Yeah. Like it was that bad, but it didn't really reflect in numbers like I still had a good year I just did not I was not as consistent as I wanted to be but looking back I'm like incredibly thankful for that time yeah. of like slowness and stillness to get to get back connected with who I was and remember who I was and why I'm doing this um I needed that time because 2020 was just like too much yeah and then yeah. we all felt that at some point or another and kind of had to regroup so yeah. I think it, it really depends on how much inner work you're willing to put in. But if, if you don't believe it about yourself first, it's going to be really hard and you, you have to figure it out. No, I totally like that. That I don't even want to say like fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. But like sometimes you have to. I literally have a video on my YouTube channel about how being delusional it's good. <laughs> it was it's, great it's for a, me. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. Like, yeah. honestly, like, no one is going to believe in you like mm -hmm. you. And, like, no one can do it for you but you. Yes. And I just think that, you know, one thing that I think is so, um, I think a big reason, like, I just keep talking about TikTok. I don't know why I keep talking about TikTok. It's, it's life. <laughs> it's, it's literally life at this point. But one thing that I really do like about this app more than I like about Instagram is the simple fact that, anyone can do it mm -hmm. it is literally about just self like self-exploration finding yourself yeah. um becoming yourself you can post literally anything mm -hmm. you want and that's something that I really 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 do like in I don't know like it's crazy because me and you have like such similar stories like the more that I'm listening to you and like mm -hmm. hearing like even like where your imposter syndrome is rooted in um, I think a lot of people can 100% like relate to that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the stuff you don't hear about with success and everything. And like, I think my mental health is the worst it's ever been after like making more money than I ever have. And money don't buy happiness. It does not. I mean, money can pay for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, you're a great therapist. It can get you a great therapist, but you still got to do that, that homework your, right after your shadows and your closeted demons are going to come to that surface when mm -hmm. you start to really, um, break through these levels, especially if you're not represented in those spaces. And so, I think that's another part of it, like, you know, be having a six figure experience yeah. as a black woman and speaking on that is is very uh, it's conflicting. Yeah. And um, I just talked to another one of my friends who was like also I didn't even tell her that that was how I'm feeling, but she is doing very well herself. And she was telling me how it's like put a strain on her family and their dynamic because, you know, her family perceives her as being high and mighty and she's not like, she's the sweetest person ever, but mm. it's easy to like, just kind of manipulate your perception of someone because of how you feel and project that onto someone who's doing well. And then you can't ever be happy for them. But that other person who's hitting those milestones feels that Yeah, they feel that you don't even have to say it because the energy is there that 100%. you're treating me different. You feel differently about me. Um, and, and it does, it does suck. Cause I've had that experience with friends and family too. Like, and it's not that I think I'm better than anybody. I've never, ever felt that yeah. way. And like, 
there's a reason I still have a lot of childhood friends because not everyone feels that way about me. So that's kind of like, because in some cases I'll be like, wait, am I changing? You know, and that really scares me because I don't want to change. But then I think how many people have stuck around since I was like a little girl. So that says a lot about me that I've been consistent in my character and my morals. A hundred percent. Tupac um, once said that um, money doesn't change you. Money changes the people around you. And that Period. no, it, it it's 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 a bar because I still um, like I really do struggle with imposter syndrome just because I've always struggled with it growing mm-hmm. up like a hundred percent. That goes back to being in white spaces. That just goes back to you know having a single mother. That just goes back to like not having a lot growing up. That goes yeah. back to being the the only FOD in the room, the mm-hmm. only FOD in my family. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, um, to be the first to do this, the only one to do this, and different in a sense that, like, my mind is operating from a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like you can't necessarily, like, keep up with yourself, if yes. that makes sense. You yeah. just you, ju- you just keep going, and you just, you just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I 100% have... I'm, like, still trying to combat imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. It is so difficult. And, like, I don't want to say it's, like, more difficult for... I'm just going to say it. I think imposter syndrome is way more difficult for, for black women. Totally. I'm just like a hundred percent because, yeah. and just like POC women in general, because you know, you also have this idea that I'm not even good enough as I am. Mm-hmm. And then my issue is like comparison. I need to work on that shit because that hard. shit is so bad, you know, especially like when I'm creating content and I'm on live mm-hmm. line and like, I see first off someone that doesn't even look like me, mm-hmm. you know, opening up the blinds and going viral from that, you know, and I'm doing a whole damn day in the life from start to finish phone, phone on 10% trying to get it done. You know what I mean? And it's, it's just like, we all have like our own unique stories and our own unique journeys. And it really does suck because the, the circle really does get smaller yeah. and it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't want to say it's like having like a target on your back, but it's just like, who is really for me, for yeah. me? Like, who's going to be here when I'm fucking low? Because a lot of times mm-hmm. people think, well, you have it made, so you don't really need anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, you're able to take care of yourself. You have money. You know, you're, you're doing well on this platform. You're married. You have this. But it's just like, yeah, I have all of these things, but there is, like, an added weight. Yes. There's, like, I'm dealing with more shit now because not only am I having imposter syndrome, but I have to deal with hundreds of thousands of people telling me that I ain't good enough, that I'm yeah. not black enough. Yeah, there's the saying, more money, more problems, and <sighs> it's it's very true. It's like, yeah, when you level jump, you also level jump into a bunch of other Other things. shit, a but lot. yeah, you could totally, like, manipulate what people see because, you know... A lot of people, I think, up until this era of TikTok have thought that money equated to happiness. And now they're realizing, oh, like these people aren't happy and have issues because now we're talking more on TikTok about mental health, about you're hearing celebrities talk about it more and people with platforms. And it's like so shocking to people that those things don't bring you happiness no they don't bring you happiness like if you're not a happy person that has nothing to do with how many people are watching your life or how much money you're making like that's I mean if that were the case there would not be people like trying to leave this planet at every level like (laughs) so rich people have done it no for real people have done it for real you know mental health does not discriminate and that is probably one of my least favorite uh, comments that I get when when you're trying to be vulnerable and people are like, "Well, you have all this, like, baby, listen, <laughs> you, you gotta learn." Like, listen, it's like, do you know how many times I stay up at two, three o'clock in the morning thinking about, dang, seriously. maybe I should just sell everything and move to <laughs> to Sweden in a cabin on the side of a mountain somewhere. No, like literally, like I see so many people. Um, just buying things for happiness. And then I see a lot of people that do have money that are trying to minimize their life as much as possible. Yeah. Like, I don't need this crib. Right. I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm kind of going through this declutter thing right now. Are you purging your closet too? I always purge. Like, girl, I just started it. I've always, yeah. Because for me, so like I'm big on energy and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I I look at like the stuff around me is also energy. So that's clothes, like excess stuff. I feel like when I have too much 
energy, stale energy in my apartment that I have to get rid of stuff. So I'm always getting rid of clothes. I'm literally having my like um, elementary school friends over this weekend to like literally take stuff out of my apartment yeah. like all the PR gifts that I get that I know I'm, I can't oh, yeah. use I'm like hi like come bring a tote bag we're gonna do a little yeah. party like a girls night you guys take whatever you want like I have to get that out because I feel like it affects me mentally mm-hmm. when there's too much around and creatively you have to be aware of what is clogging your mind up and so yes. sometimes I'm like I don't have any ideas and like I'll have this urge to like deep clean or something. And for me, that's kind of my way of tapping into my creativity is like cleaning my apartment, purging things, getting rid of stuff. I don't need a lot. And once you start to kind of have a platform and you get the free gifts, it's like, it's so cool in the beginning. But for me, it wore off very quickly. Yes. And when you don't come from a lot of stuff, like I didn't, I wasn't able to like get new clothes all the time. We don't have those things. You tend to want to hold on to it more when you start mm-hmm. to get it for free. But I quickly realized that I had this room just full of stuff and I couldn't even find anything. I'm like, yeah. what's the point of having stuff if you can't even use it because you have so much excess? I don't even know what I have. Yeah. So in my opinion, it was more valuable to like downsize. And like my mom would look at me crazy because like she also same situation came from like nothing and just not having a lot of stuff. So she clings she's, on to all she's my like, Girl, free you stuff. You I'm like, hold on to it. <laughs> this is for donation. <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, like, yeah. and then I'll come back over there and she's got three bags of the donation stuff I brought six months ago. I'm like, I thought you were going to send the donation yeah. truck, you know? So I'm like, no, you got to let this stuff go. And now it's in her garage sitting for nothing. I'm like, you see the cycle here of like excess, you're not using it. And so you really have to be mindful of it because I feel like the materialistic stuff, it's, it's a scam. It's a scam to make you feel protected and safe. Like you have enough, but you can only do that for yourself on an inner level of making yourself feel protected and safe. And like, there is enough for you because there is. But if you have to use outside things to get there, then that's like red flag. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Ooh, you're all going to go <laughs> home and figure some things She's out. Like, <laughs> Let me go sit through these, <laughs> this closet right quick. <laughs> no, for real. But thank you so much, Bria, of for course. coming. You're the first guest on cast. I was a little nervous, but you made this feel very no, easy. You and got nice. me in the studio. Like I'm feeling bougie as ever. Stop. Like, we got the Ethos water over here. I know. Like, Starbucks. <laughs> Didn't have the matcha, but it's okay. It's all good. All right. Thank you so much, Bria. Is of there course. anything you wanna announce or say? Do you have anything coming up? Are you planning anything? So In terms of upcoming projects, I'm in the middle of working on my own podcast. It's somewhat of a relaunch, but not really. I've had a podcast before, and I just kind of wanted to take a completely different direction this time. So look out for that probably around fall, late summer. And then, um, yeah, if you guys want to hear more from me, I'm on every platform at Hey Jones. Yeah, we'll be sure to add it here. (laughs) 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 all right thank you so much bria i'm so happy you could make it and thank you for coming thank you